If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey there, leading ladies. Welcome to the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Herbert, a two-time best-selling author, speaker, family physician, and executive leadership coach with over 20 years experience of providing primary care and serving as a healthcare leader. If you are a woman physician ready to make a change in your career and have a seat at the leadership table, then you are in the right place. I'm excited to provide you with the crucial skills you need to be a successful leader and strategies to deal with workplace challenges. So put on your headphones and listen as we explore the new world of building women physician leaders. Hello, leading ladies. Welcome back to another episode of Women Physicians Lead Podcast. I am really excited today to bring you another great guest as we explore women physicians on the front lines and learn a little bit more about their leadership journey. So I am Dr. Lisa Herbert. I am the host of the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. I am your champion. I'm your partner on your leadership journey, a board-certified family physician, best-selling author, and executive leadership coach. So today I'm excited to bring you Dr. Felicia Fro. And I'm going to read a little bit of her bio, introduce her, and then we'll get into some really great questions and learn about her journey um, as it pertains to physicians building wealth and her having a social impact. So Dr. Felicia Fro, MD, is the owner of Money With Mission, an investment company focused on empowering professional women to build wealth and achieve financial freedom through social impact investing. As a real estate syndicator, Felicia has partnered with like-minded investors and has raised money for several social impact projects, including a residential assisted living home in Kansas City, Missouri, focusing on providing elderly residents experiencing memory problems with personalized care. With her partners at the Echo Alliance Group, she is providing healthy food to food desert areas with indoor vertical farms and grocery stores. In addition to real estate investing, Dr. Fro is a licensed urological surgeon with over 20 years of experience. She has written many best-selling books, including How to Create Wealth That Outlives You. Plus, she is an advocate for sharing the great work others are doing for their community through her podcast, Money with Mission podcast. So help me to introduce and to welcome Dr. Felicia Fro to the Women Physicians Lead podcast. Welcome, Dr. Fro. Hey, Lisa. Thank you. You know, people are reading your bio and you're like, is that me? Have I, what is that? <laughs> like, I know, I know. I know, make pause. <laughs> we just walk around living our lives, not thinking about the things we've done until somebody writes it all down and reads it back to us. You're like, oh man, okay. I guess I understand why I'm tired. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You have a lot going on and I can't wait till we get into this discussion so we can talk a little bit more about that. So um, the first question I have that I always ask my guests, and this is really just an opportunity for us to get to know you and to learn a little bit more about your journey, is when you think back about your career and your journey as it pertains to leadership and sort of where you are today, who or what may have been instrumental in that decision? So that question is always um, very interesting to me because it's never one person or for me, it hasn't been one person or one thing that's gotten me where I am today. Um, starting with getting into medical school, it was actually not my first choice. My first choice when I was in high school was to go to vet school, be a veterinarian like my dad. And I remember walking in his room, telling him I wanted to be a veterinarian. And he looked at me and said, if you're going to school for that long, you're going to be a physician. You're going to be a doctor going to medical school. And I was like, and it was like from, like, it was just a complete switch from that moment on. I was going to medical school. I don't remember any pushback. I don't remember anything. It was just like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And from that day forward, everything about everything I did was to go to medical school. Um, undergrad was rough. It was tough. You know, all the hard stuff. I switched out of medical school and went to pharmacy school for two years, was bored in pharmacy school, went back into medical school. So it's been, it was a road to get here. I'm a person who, um, if you tell me I can't do something or I might not be able to accomplish something, I set out to prove you wrong. So like a lot of us along the way, I had many people telling me what I couldn't do. And one of the things they told me I couldn't do was be a urologist because you probably just don't have it. And you, you know, you're a woman, blah, blah, blah. This was back when there were only a hundred female urologists in the United States. So I went in, I actually got my first choice in my residency, first time in, got that, went through it, finished, done. And it was shortly after that, that I realized medicine wouldn't be the last thing I would do. It was always very interesting. It was kind of scary, honestly, to just be in my kitchen one day and just know like, okay, this isn't the end of the road for you. You're not going to be doing this the rest of your life. Didn't know what that meant. Didn't know any of them. I mean, I was like, I don't know what that means. It's kind of scary because this is what I've gone to school for all this years, all these years to do. Uh, I moved around a bit still, even in medicine, and it was meeting some women in Kansas City, we bought a building together for our practice. So that's my first really entry into real estate investing. And I met another woman who had a, her own business as an insurance. She started an insurance company for truckers. And she introduced me to a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, little purple book that talks about money, assets, liabilities, just talks about money in a completely different way than I had ever heard. And it was from that book that got me into doing real estate investing. Not It wasn't a straight thing right into there. I've had many people along the way that really helped me. And I want to say my mom is that person who was always there to say, take the risk. You can do this. Mm -hmm. So it was, there's, you know, there's been so many people along the way that got me to uh, medicine, that got me into real estate investing, that ultimately helped me decide to leave medicine full-time to do full-time real estate investing. And another group of people that got led me to social impact real estate investing. So it's been quite the journey. And there have been so many people along the way, positive and negative, you know, you know, you have your positive influences that help you and you have the negative influences that help you. You thank them all. As yeah, you go. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you have definitely had 
a community, right, that has really helped to guide you along this journey. And many communities, yes. Yeah, yes. Many, how important that is, right? Yes, and how yes. you, you look back and it's almost like a 360 moment where you're now having this, you know, impact within your own communities, right? Yes, and other yes. communities as well. So, so that's great. And I, the other thing that I liked that you said was, that you realized that medicine wasn't the final stop for you, right? Yes, and yes. it had insight into that. And I think that's so important for us as women and women physicians um, and physicians in general, just to have that out of the box sort of thought process about what our careers could look like, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And th that it necessarily doesn't have to end with what we're doing now. I mean, surely if that's your path, then that's your path, that's but it doesn't really have to, to end there. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. A very interesting thing about that, Lisa, too, was when I would share with other physicians that I didn't think medicine was going to be, I just remember one guy in particular said, like, well, what, what else can you do? You're a doctor. Mm -hmm. That's all there is. I'm like, and, and it took me aback at first. And then I thought about it for a few days. Like, well, wait a minute. I went to medical school. I'm a urologist. I think I can pretty much do whatever I put my mind to. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. So explain to us a little bit or tell us a little bit about um, what your day looks like as a woman physician um, who leads through social impact. Who do you serve and what challenges do you face? So it's very, this is uh, how I got here is like we talked about is very interesting. And it was, I started doing real estate investing actually back in 2004 and we were buying single family houses and we built up a nice portfolio of single family houses. And then 2008 came and we lost everything because we didn't know what we were doing is what we finally figured out. We didn't know what we were doing. So after that, decided to start doing um, what's called real estate syndications. And it wasn't just a decision. It was learning about different real estate things, da, 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 different community who introduced me to this and taught me about it. So started investing in bigger projects with other people. That's basically what a syndication is. <clears throat> and we're doing apartment buildings and just different housing and residential things like that, which never really fed me. It was like kind of like medicine. I could keep doing it and I could be good at it, but I don't really like it. And then learned about um, uh, the assisted living and realized, oh, I can make a difference in somebody's life in this way, something that's more tangible to me. Um, so I got started doing that. Now, you asked the question, what does my day look like? In my life right now, I'm doing part-time medicine, full-time real estate investing. And I spend a lot of time talking to a lot of different people, understanding what they're doing, because my my goal is to introduce professional women like me to projects that they can invest in that can have a social impact. So I look at who's doing deals, who's doing things, including my own groups, like with the food, the grocery stores and food deserts, indoor controlled farming, agriculture that regenerates the soil all these kinds of things and how can we put together deals that help people make a return on their investment, send your money out to work for you and bringing it back with friends as well as make a community better. One of the things we're doing here in Tulsa is we have a program called Fresh RX where physicians actually prescribe our food program. People come to us to learn how to cook better. So it's um, people without a control diabetes, A1Cs at least eight or higher. And we provide through grants, fresh 
produce for them every other week. And we teach them how to cook it. We talk through about diet, about the diabetes. We talk about eating better and watch their progress over a year. And so our second year in the program, the first year we did amazingly well. Our prior group did so well. So that has really pushed me more into the healthy food eating and eating. You know, we think about eating well and we think about losing weight and we think about those things. And most of the time we think about it, it's a vanity thing. I want to look better. I want to look better in my clothes. Mm-hmm. And, we, and health is like the second or third reason we want to lose weight. We want to make health the first reason you want to lose weight. And those other things are down the road that make you feel better too. That makes sense. So my day is pretty much talking to a lot of people and resting when I can. <laughs> well, rest is important. So I hope rest you're getting is, plenty yes. of that. Yes. Yes. But that's really interesting. Uh, especially, you know, I love how you are bringing together community through empowering people to make healthy choices, right? Yes. So that they yes. can live longer and better and have better yes. lives. Yes. And who better to do that than and physicians, right? Yes. Those of us who are in the healthcare field. Yes. Um, to be able to, to deliver that type of service, not only because of the expertise that we have, but also because we know how to um, bring about those positive outcomes, right? We, we know kind of what the end of the, the road per se should look like for that particular person. We, yes, we do. And we don't always learn that kind of thing and how to persuade people and that kind of thing. We don't learn that so much in medical school and we do get it some as we're practicing, especially if you really enjoy that relationship building that most of us, I think, do enjoy. We just don't have a lot of time to do it in our practices. Um, But once that's one reason that medicine just was driving me crazy is that lack of time to build a relationship with a patient and understand their life and help to, like you said, empower them to take care of themselves and not just feel like it's a pill that's going to do the thing for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, so great work with that. Hey, leading ladies, stay right there and we will be back with my amazing guests. This conversation is so good that you don't want to miss it. So stay tuned. Hello, leading ladies. I have some exciting news to share with you about an organization that's near and dear to my heart. National Medical Fellowships is celebrating its historic impact and future work with a hybrid national event on Saturday, November 5th in Miami, Florida. NMF was founded in 1946 as a precursor to the civil rights movement, working to provide scholarships to grow the number of black and brown physicians. And they have provided over $45 million in financial assistance. Reimagining Healthcare Celebrating Equity Change Agents ushers in a new chapter with inspired leadership and an energetic agenda to achieve health equity. This event celebrates the extraordinary impact of NMF's longstanding partners, scholars, and alumni who guided NMF's historic success and who continue to make a difference for those without access to equitable health care. So listeners of Women Physicians Lead, you are welcome and invited to attend virtually or in person in Miami or donate today to advance NMF's important work. Visit nmfonline.org forward slash reimagine to learn more. That's nmf.org forward slash 
Reimagine to learn more. I look forward to seeing you in Miami. Hey there, leading ladies. It's Dr. Lisa. Thanks for hanging in with me. Now back to our amazing interview. Um, So talking about the investing that you're doing um, in communities, how does your work around investing in communities affect healthcare disparities? And what impact do you see this having on health care equity? So those those are big questions, of course. And I, I mean, okay. So I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we I moved here because my group was putting a grocery store in a food desert. It's a thirty thousand population in North Tulsa that hadn't had a full service grocery store in over ten years. The 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 city had done a resilient study, and that study had shown that the people of North Tulsa live eleven years less than the people of rest the rest of Tulsa, which of course is a multifactorial problem. But if you look at it, it's like healthy food has got to be one of the reasons that that's there. So I got this grocery store open, and while we can't at this point measure the difference. I mean, it just makes sense to me that there's going to be a difference. If you can walk into a grocery store with produce, fresh produce, and have a choice to ha- to to have a the ability to choose something healthy over the 15 fast food restaurants that are in that same two blocks, I'm we are working to teach people to make healthier choices. And like I said, through that Fresh RX program, you can help them to see that it makes a difference when you eat better. It it's so much better. And when the more people we can empower to do that and to see that we know, we know that there is a significant decrease in healthcare costs, a significant decrease in morbidity, a significant decrease in pretty much everything you get. You're healthier in your brain, you're healthier in your body. You're, I don't know. I just, the way I thought about it, before and now I thought about it even a smaller was that just think about when you know that you can go up the street and get your groceries and you don't have to think about I have to get on a bus to go to Walmart or wherever you're going to go to get your groceries I can go there think how much time that saves and how much brain space that saves to make you more creative in all the other things in your life that you can do so I don't know. I don't know exactly how it's going to change health equity and health disparities. I just know (laughs) that it will. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we just have that feeling, right? Sometimes we just um, may not have in the beginning, like you said, all the data to kind of prove that this is going to be the thing. Yes. But based on all of the, the research and based on all of the, the studies and the numbers that we clearly know happen in impoverished areas, like you said, this really has to make an impact, right? Yes. yes. So I think that you are making an impact. Um, for one, you know, that the socioeconomic factor that's tied into healthcare disparities and healthcare inequities, right? Yes. Um, you're providing here, here's a town that never had a grocery store that now has a grocery store. So that the social impact you that you've made in that community is huge, yeah. as well as you know, the the economic impact as well, being able to purchase food that is um, not expensive, that they can afford, but then yeah. that's also, yeah, that's also yeah. healthy. It, it is, but a regular grocery store, people come in there just like, it was like, it was, I don't know where you are, what grocery stores you have, but there's other grocery stores, Reese or Safeway, 
Kroger, all the it's a, it's a grocery store, smaller footprint, but all the same groceries you would have anywhere else you would go. So mm-hmm. it, it does make me very proud to have done that and get that here and to over time see how this one grocery store does make a difference. The goal is to put grocery stores Believe it or not, there's food deserts in every city in the country and multiple ones in many cities. And it's our goal to make all of those go away. In addition to providing housing for people that is good housing so that they can live someplace where you can be proud and afford it. And just, you know, just anyway, the the whole thing is just, just it's a very, I have a very strong feeling about people having the, and I, I don't I don't necessarily believe in handouts. So let me just let me clear that up. But giving people the ability to um, make things happen for themselves and just yes. a little bit of help, like I said, opens your brain. If you're not having to focus so much on I just got to figure out how we're going to eat, you know how you're going to eat. How much more can you think about when you know that that's taken care of? It's just amazing to me to think that ripple, that little thing makes that much difference. And, not to say what you're going to eat or how you're going to eat is little. That's huge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's one less thing. To, it's one thing, you know, to take off your plate, right? Exactly. To take off a family's plate to have to think about. Yes. Um. Definitely. Yeah. So I can see, I mean, this is going to make a huge impact, you know, in the communities that you serve and in the future goals that you have, you know, for investing, um, with social impact. So, um, so I just love your story. I love how, you know, you have just come again, just 360 with, you know, giving back to a community where community in the beginning, you know, was, was your upliftment as well. Yes. So, um, but you really, you know, you had that insight early on, but you also, just made a bold choice, right? So you decided to be bold enough to use your experience, your leadership and your voice to choose to do something different. So tell us what that process was like for you and what advice would you give our listeners about also choosing something bold to make an impact? You know, maybe it's something that we decide to do in addition to, you know, our role as being physicians, right? We don't have to necessarily leave medicine, although some of us do, but how, how, what advice would you give for those listeners who may want to also choose something bold to make an impact? I think when you feel it in you and you know, you have to do it. And like, I mean, and I say that, but I know that we also often put a little cap or something over those feelings that we have and push them back down because, wow, I already made a bold choice. I went to medical school. I'm a physician. That was bold in and of itself for many of us. Um, And then to have another idea that, oh my gosh, this isn't the last thing. Think about, for for me, it took a long time. It really did. I had people, even my parents were worried about me and said, no, you shouldn't do that. You should stay in med. You know, you just have people who are concerned and you realize what that is. It is their concern and their worry for you. But then I thought about my children. I have two daughters and I thought about, their, well, actually this came about just like this. I was a chief of my department. Uh, my urology department. And I was, I was, I felt I was not effective. It was very tiring. I was putting a lot of effort into it and I wanted to quit. And I, 
but I never quit anything. I don't quit anything. I keep going. You keep going. You push until you figure it out. And I had a woman say to me, don't think about it as quitting. Think about it as making a different choice. And think about the people that you empower when you do that or when they see you do that, how you empower them to maybe think about making a different choice. And when I thought about it that way, just that little tiny shift, it made a big difference to me. And then when I talked about my children, for me to have talked about doing something different and not do it, what would that say to them? It's like you you just have a dream and you don't go after it. I couldn't, I couldn't stand that either. So it was me wanting them to know that you could have a dream and you do have to sometimes take a gigantic leap of faith and hope your wings sprout as you're about to hit the ground and (laughs) know (laughs) that the the other part of that is I think about what's the worst thing that can happen. Mm -hmm. And truly what's the worst thing that can happen. And can I tolerate that? Or can I fix that? If the answer is yes, take the step. Just do it. Yes. Just do it. Yes. I love that. I love that. So definitely. So number one is not to look at it as quitting, because I do think that we do fall into that mindset of feeling like we can't um, do something different. Right. And just to know that um, we do, we have, you know, the, the ability to make a different choice. Right. Yes. Yes. Definitely. um, Definitely agree with that. And then, like you said, and then looking at it as if, you know, to think about what could be the worst thing to happen. (laughs) And I like that. And and if it's something that can be fixed, then why not take that chance? If it can be fixed or you can tolerate it. it. Right. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) And then the other thing I think for many women is to think about empowering somebody else by your Mm -hmm. action, your example, you empower how many other people to be able to make different choices in their lives. So yes, yes, that's important. Absolutely. Hey, leading ladies, stay right there. And we will be back with my amazing guests. This conversation is so good that you don't want to miss it. So stay tuned. It's time for physicians to rise up, step out, stand out, and take back our place in healthcare to be the respected voice and leader in our communities. My mission is to help physicians transition into leadership roles by equipping them with the personal and professional development skills that they need to be successful and also to help them care for themselves physically, mentally, and spiritually. If you have experience practicing in your given specialty, if you have a gift for innovation and building teams, if you have the ability to bring about change in others, if you have solved problems in your practice setting or community, then there are organizations that need you to claim your rightful seat at the table and lead. If you are ready to be a leader in healthcare and change the status quo, then I invite you to book a complimentary strategy discovery session with me at schedulewithdrlisa.com. That's schedulewithdrlisa.com. Dr. 
So we know also that, you know, um, our work as women physician leaders can be overwhelming. It can be all consuming. Um, as you even alluded to in the beginning, when do you, you know, do you have even have time for sleep? <laughs> so how do you, how do you take time for yourself and make sure that self-care is a priority for you? Well, I don't all the time. So number one, that's that. But when I, really am thinking about it. And actually right now I'm in a community of women who really focus on taking care of ourselves and making ourselves a priority. So I think, again, having that community, having those people who are seeing and you, or you're watching them, watch their example of how they're taking care of themselves. And then you start thinking, okay, let me quit work and go do something else for a little bit. Because I, I, choose my hours. I work how I want to work. And I've now decided that at five o'clock I'm done. Close the computer, go do something else. You're going to go grocery shop and you're going to go for a walk. You're going to go do something else because I also realize that to keep working becomes inefficient and you want to be efficient. So you might as well rest and take care of yourself so you can come back and get done in four hours. What would have taken you eight or 12 hours if you were trying to do it tired. So it's really, it is a conscious decision pretty much every day to take care of myself and yeah. to rest. So that I have three dogs that make me do stuff too. They make, they come in and start poking at me and say, Hey, get up, come help us do this. Come play with us. Come. So that community, whether it's your animals, whether it's another w- group of women help to actually keep us. It's really interesting. I keep saying this, but every thing is about a collaboration and a community that's helped me to move forward and to be better. And we can't, we can't do it by ourselves. And sometimes we really, really try, but it works so much better. And it's so much more fun when you do it with other people. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. I definitely agree. I I do believe surrounding yourself with people who can move you right in the direction that you want to go to remind you of the importance of taking care of yourself is um, is is wonderful. And then I also liked what you said about realizing that the more you keep working sometimes really leads to inefficiency. And it's true because you're tired. So you're not thinking, you know, you may not be as focused, you may not be as engaged. So although you can, you know, plot that as number of hours worked, how efficient was that work, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, So I really like that as well. So this has been a wonderful interview, Dr. Felicia. And I want to just thank you for coming on and sharing with us your journey, um, for sharing with us how you were able to be bold and choose something different. And I'm sure that a lot of women listening to this podcast will gain some insight into their own journey and and start to think about ways in which they can also impact their own communities. So thank you again for joining. And if anyone wants to reach out to you, um, how can they do that? Or if you have anything that you want to share with our audience, please, please feel free. Hey guys, I would appreciate it if you would listen to the podcast, Money with Mission podcast. So that's pretty simple. And once you're there, you can, you'll introduce you to the website, the show notes, everything. You'll be able to find me in, once you get to the podcast, you can find me. So that's the easiest way to hear about other things that are going on, what other people are doing to impact the community. And just, that's my favorite thing to do actually is talk to different people making an impact in their community. So money with mission podcast every week on Wednesdays. 
Great. Thank you so much. So I'll be right. sure to listen as well. And thank you again for joining. And I look forward to having you maybe again uh, on the show real soon. That'll be fun. Thank you, Lisa, so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening today and for allowing me to be a part of your career journey. To continue receiving leadership support, I invite you to join our private Facebook group, Building Women Physician Leaders at www.leadingladiesincharge.com. Until next time, take care. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Better with Dr. Erica, hosted by Dr. Erica, provides support and guidance in navigating stress-related challenges to transform your relationship to self-care. Each episode arms you with the tools needed to be better, do better, and live better. There was an incredible episode that you should check out called Touch and Connections as Tools for Healing and Better Mental Health. In this episode, her guest breaks down ways to use physical touch as a form of healing for trauma and grief. Check out Better with Dr. Erica on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.